Today we meet in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 7. Verse 1 to verse 7 of Isaiah 5 is the song of the vineyard. So this chapter brings us to the end of the section which was begun in chapter 2. The first seven verses are the song of the vineyard which tells of the sins of the nation of Israel and the coming captivity. The balance of the chapter gives the six woes or the six specific sins which bring down the judgment of God upon that nation. The penalty for each sin is also listed. In our study today, we are going to look at the song or the parable of the vineyard and leave the six woes for the next study. Now the song of the vineyard. Those who can read the song of the vineyard in Hebrew say that it is without doubt one of the most beautiful songs that has ever been written. For exquisite beauty of language and consummate skill in effective communication, this parable is virtually peerless. There is nothing quite like it. There is nothing to revile it. It is a musical symphony, and it is absolutely impossible to reproduce it in English. It is truly a song and comparable to any of the Psalms. Now, the parabolic form and the figure of the vineyard dominate the passage, but there is much diversity within this unity. It starts as a lyric becomes a courtroom drama and finally casts the figurative aside to identify Judah as the object of the Lord's judgment. And the vineyard is the house of Israel, defined in verse 7. Thus the vineyard becomes one of the two figures in scripture that are taken from the botanical world to represent the whole nation of Israel. The fig tree is the other figure that is used. Before his death, our Lord Jesus Christ gave a parable of the vineyard, which obviously referred to the whole house of Israel in Matthew 21, verse 33 to verse 46. In Isaiah, the prophet announces the imminent captivity of the northern kingdom into Assyria, and of the southern kingdom into Babylon. In Matthew, the Lord Jesus Christ showed that God had given Israel a second chance in their return from the 70-year Babylonian captivity, but the nation's rejection of the Son of God would usher in a more extensive and serious dispersion. Now listen to the song of the vineyard. Let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. Isaiah 5 verse 1. My well-beloved is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah and the Savior of the world. He is the one who has a vineyard and that vineyard is on a very fruitful hill. A very fruitful hill here. There is nothing wrong with the soil. That is the message. The problem 
is with the vineyard itself, that is, with the vine. Verse 7 makes it quite clear that the vineyard is the house of Israel. It is Judah. It is not the church or something else. And this message is very clear. We do not have to guess at these things. So, the vineyard is on a very fertile hill. The soil is all right. It's like it has everything that it needs. God is again inviting us into a court to consider his charges against Israel. And my friend, the minute you listen to him and to his charge against Israel, you will also find yourself condemned. Listen to him. He dug up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest fine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Isaiah 5 verse 2 You see, God took the nation of Israel out of Egypt and placed them in the promised land. He expected them to produce the fruit of righteousness, and he required them to glorify his name. They failed ignominiously. And that is what he is talking about. It's like a child who has parents who have looked after him so well, they took care of the little baby when the baby was in the crib, dressing and cleaning the baby, teaching the baby how to speak, teaching the baby how to feed. Take the child is now going, taking the child to kindergarten, taking the child to school, and paying all the school fees, making sure that the child gets good education. They even take the child and spend quality time with the child, giving them the best education ever. Now expectant parents would look to their child, hoping now that the child in return will turn out to be a good citizen. The child will also look after the parents. The child will become a respectable, responsible citizen in a nation. What a disappointment comes to the parents. The child only tends to become a robber. The child only tends to become one who oppresses others. The child tends to become one who makes profit where he never worked. That is the picture. That child will have failed the parents. And God has invited the Israelites to come into that courtroom and say, please judge between me and my vineyard. That is dramatic. They failed ignominiously. And now, all inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. Isaiah 5 verse 3. You see, the Lord is now saying, you judge, judge. These people had been invited to witness the, issue, the, the situation, and now they are being invited to judge. What a dramatic change. The scene now shifts to the courtroom, and this time, the human hearers are to act as assessors as the owner of the vineyard speaks. 
the new form here suggests, of course, that the vineyard has a moral responsibility. Now God asks these people to judge, to equate the difference between God and Israel. And very truthfully, my friend, when you look at your own life, are you ready to complain against God? Some people will wean and complain and howl because maybe they get a debilitating disease or they lose a loved one. They think that the Lord is being unfair. And he is calling here now the Israelites and he says, judge for yourself if you will say that I am unfair. My friend, when you reflect upon it more and more, you will actually realize that God is not the one who is wrong. You and I are in the wrong. You and I need to face up to it. We need to get rid of the idea that somehow we are something special and that God is not going to do anything to us that is unjust. Well, he is not going to do anything that is wrong. You and I are wrong. God isn't wrong. Whenever God will act in one way or another, he will have weighed all things squarely. And he invites these people. Now judge as you would judge between God and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and Israel. You would actually condemn them. Do you know the same assessment that you would come with is the same assessment that anyone who would objectively look into what God has been doing in your life will say. They will reach the same conclusion. God has done everything that you so need. He has given you everything that you need. But when he expected something from you, he did not get any. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Isaiah 5 verse 4. Now God states that he made every provision on his part for them to produce the fruit of righteousness. Their failure under these circumstances becomes very serious indeed. In spite of this preparation, it still becomes unproductive. And the imagery is illustrative of the idea that spiritually, God has prepared Israel to bring forth fruit unto himself, and yet she has only brought forth wild grapes of sin. Therefore, God denounces it with judgment to come, indicating the coming Babylonian captivity. But at this point, the more discerning listeners may have the first intimation that the parable may not be for their comfort. He was telling them this parable, but that parable was not for their comfort. Listen as he continues. And now, please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be bent. I will break down its wall and it shall be trembled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. 
Isaiah 5, verse 5 to verse 6. Now here, the abandonment of such an unprofitable venture was only to be expected. For who would waste further energy, time, and money? But there was more than this. Definite action was to be taken. The removal of its hedge and wall is talked about in verse 5. This would be taken against it. The hidden meaning, of course, comes closer to the complete unveiling when the last statement of verse 6 is uttered. When that last statement, I will also command the clouds that they rain nor rain on it. What human honor can control the weather. This is God, my friend. Now, this is a clear prediction of the following captivities of both the kingdoms. For over 500 years, God had kept the great nations of the world off and the land bridge of three continents, Palestine. But he put a wall around the nation of Israel. God would not let anybody touch them, though many times he would have judged them. But now God says, you are my vineyard, I have hedged you in, but now I am breaking down the wall. First Syria, then Assyria, then Babylon. They all poured into Israel's land and laid it waste. And in spite of everything that has been done in that land today, it is still a pretty desolate looking place. God has judged it. He says, I will command the clouds that they rain, no rain on it. For over a thousand years, the former rain and the latter rains, the, the fall and the spring there, they did not fall. That is why that land is even desolate today. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. Isaiah 5, verse 7. Now the hearers fell into a trap, if you want to notice here, skillfully laid for them. These hearers had come simply to listen and judge the case between the vineyard and its owner and the facts were presented before them. Never did it occur to them that it was talking about them. And suddenly in this last verse of the parable, the hearers are trapped. The figurative form is cast off and God's people stand exposed as the guilty objects of his disappointment and his judgment. They have condemned themselves for the tacit agreement of the hearers to the criticism of the vineyard can be assumed. Thus, Nathan secured David's self-condemnation in Second Samuel 12 verse 1 to 14 and perhaps Amos, uh, that of Israel, Amos chapter 1 verse 12 and verse 16. The same story is replayed. David 
self-condemned himself. And now Israel is even self-condemning themselves because all at once it becomes clear that the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. And the judgment has been pronounced. What God is going to do is already set in motion. You don't have to guess whom the prophet is talking about. The vineyard refers to the house of Israel. And this verse makes it very crystal clear. And in that vineyard, God looked for justice, but behold, oppression for righteousness. But behold, a cry for help. The prophet's point is that the judgment of God will bring the opposite of what they expected. They were expecting that God would be very kind to them and everything, but now that will bring the opposite of it because he looked for justice. They were oppressing. He looked for righteousness. There was crying all over the place. He looked for that which was good, but nothing good came. Therefore, God is going to judge them. Not as people who befit the reward of justice, not as people who befit the reward for righteousness. Now, my friend, do you know that God expects you to produce a fruit of righteousness today because he has done for you everything you need to be a child of God? He has given you his only son to die for the forgiveness of your sins. He has given you his word to teach you the truth. He has given you his Holy Spirit to convict you, to teach you, to guide you, and to empower you to produce holy living. You have the church to provide you fellowship. You have many pastors who teach you God's word. You have a choice of listening to God's word through a variety of media, the radio, the television, books, and magazines, to name but a few. My friend, will you stand in court with God today? Do you want him to remove his hedge of protection around you? Will you say that God has not provided all that you need to be right with him? He says, I have done all. He has nurtured you. He has given you an environment. He gives you life. He has given you even many years to live. Standing with God in the court today may not be a good idea. Allowing God to reach a stage where he removes the hedge of protection around you is not a good idea. If you are in Christ, this should show in you that you are a child of God in your daily life. First in the eyes of God and then in the eyes of the people. And remember that God is looking from heaven above. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro upon the earth looking for those who fear God. And you know what he will be looking for? He is looking for those who seek God, who practice justice, who practice righteousness. For these people are the people that he looks for. Are you one of them? You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. 
Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.